Jess and Corey's dad, Dan, is not exactly the adventurous type. You know what they say, uncluttered kitchen, uncluttered mind. Who says that? I do. And you know what else I say? It's a new day, full of possibilities. Ha! Huh. Time to vacuum. At least, that's what they thought, until his past caught up with them. Leave now, and no one gets hurt. <laughs> Knife twirling. What are you, some kind of ninja? No, he's a middle school science teacher. Turns out, the mild-mannered Dan used to be someone else entirely. Get out of my house! Now, Dan, Jess, and Corey will embark on a thrilling quest to find an ancient treasure and rid themselves of a family curse. From GZM Shows, creators of Six Minutes, comes Discovering Dad, a thrilling new podcast full of mystery and adventure. New episodes every Monday starting June 10th. GZM family and superfan subscribers listen early and ad-free June 3rd. Subscribe now to Discovering Dad wherever you listen to podcasts. Before we get to the show, if you want to listen ad-free, go to gzmshows.com slash subscribers. That's gzmshows.com slash subscribers. Hi, this is Jonathan Messenger, and welcome to the Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian. First things first, I have an apology to make. About time. Here we go. Last week, when I was discussing all of the great art that had been submitted... I had included in the online gallery artwork by J.R. and Everett from Springfield, Massachusetts. What? But I forgot to actually thank them during the show, so I'm really sorry, guys, and thank you for your art. Really? I think it's one of the biggest mistakes I've ever made on this show. Really? Bebop, are you okay? That is your apology to J.R. and Everett. By the way, guys, primo stuff. Really delicious. But you're not going to apologize to me, your very own introbot, your flesh and blood. Uh, Bebop, you don't actually have flesh or blood. It's a figure of speech, Jonathan. You're the writer around here. Okay, Bebop, you know what? I am sorry that I played one of your sleep-talking tapes in the last episode. But I was getting a little tired of all the pranks from you lately. And it's not like you've stopped. It rained all weekend in Chicago, and every time I put on a hat, it turned out that it was a paper replica that you had printed off, and then the rain and ink all ran down my face. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's true. That idea came from Odd in Southampton, England. Come on, you saints. So, just to get this straight, you're mad about one little joke I made amongst the hurricane of pranks you've pulled on me over the course of the last month? Of course. And they're going to keep on coming because listeners keep sending them in. Then I guess I'm going to keep playing your sleepwalking tapes. Roll the tape. No. I think this one is marked January 14th, 2017. Oh, I'm a woodchuck and I'm okay. I sleep all night and I work all day. I'm a woodchuck and I'm okay. I live in a tree and I eat lots of hay. You're a woodchuck, Bebop? What? I have a wild side. Okay, well, let's just get into the next episode, okay? We're really coming down to it here with just a few episodes left in this second season. If you remember what happened in the last episode, Finn and his friends 
were chased by a horde of angry animals that had escaped from the Tukunian Zoo. And just as Finn was telling Tuku about his team's troubles, some of King Huxley's furballs and yeti guards showed up to steal the amulet. So let's see what happens in the next episode of The Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian, Wild at Heart. Finn felt the jewel in his hand grow warmer when the alien from King Huxley's planet pointed the third and final piece of the amulet at him. It grew warmer and warmer until he worried that soon it would burn his hand. He could tell the alien across from him was feeling the same thing because he grimaced and switched hands. Hold hold on, said Finn. You were sent here by King Huxley, right? So were we. He told us they'd sent out teams to find the amulet, but they hadn't come back. You're one of those teams, right? We're two of those teams, actually, said the alien. My name is Barkin. And who are you? Why would the king send strangers to find something that belongs to the crown? We didn't know what we were doing, said Abigail. We responded to what we thought was a distress signal, but then it ended up being a call for the Olympics, and we had to compete in all of these games. I flew a rocket sled said Vale. And then the king told us that we had to collect the amulet, continued Abigail. Well, said Barkin, looking at his friends and back at the Yeti guards. That seems a little elaborate. You're telling us, said Elias. So we'll just take the amulet back then. You've done your job, but now we must return it to the king. The alien stepped cautiously toward the explorers, one hand out, awaiting the amulet. Listen, no harm done. Just hand us the jewels that you have so far, and we'll go on our way, and you go on yours. Finn looked down at the purple light in his hands. I... I can't, he said. The king kidnapped my little sister. One of those giant guards like you have with you took her from us. He said we couldn't have her back unless we brought back the amulet. For a second, the furball looked sympathetic to Finn. I have my own reasons for needing to return the amulet said Barkin. And unfortunately, this is not negotiable. Didn't you hear what he said? said Abigail. The king imprisoned his little sister. Yeah, said Elias, and we found the first two pieces anyway. You should be giving yours to us. Barkin looked sad for a moment. Finn had seen the expression before. It was the same look that came over his mother's face whenever she had to give him bad news, or whenever she seemed to be making a hard decision. Only it was a little different, because Barkin's face was covered in fur, but in the alien's eyes, Finn thought he saw some degree of concern. The alien turned back to the guards and said quietly, Okay, take it from them. The two guards immediately ran forward and grabbed Elias, who was in front, and then Vale. Each guard put one of them over his shoulder and then lunged toward Finn. Hey, wait a second, yelled Tuku. This is my planet, and these are my guests. You can't treat them that way. Tuku flew at one of the guards, but the big creature just batted the flying alien away. Both guards walked over to one of the larger cages and dropped Vale and Elias inside. They turned for Finn and Abigail, who were stunned, watching their friends. Robocloco jumped between the explorers and the guards, barking and growling. (laughs) 
He leapt at one of the guards as it got closer, and the Yeti caught the dog. For a moment, it looked like the two were dancing, with the guards spinning around trying to wrestle Robococo down, and the dog trying to get loose. But the guard was able to get the dogbot into another cage and slammed the door shut. The other guard put Tuku in a cage as well, and then they both headed toward Finn and Abigail. Okay, okay, said Finn. You got us. Man, we came all this way to free my little sister. And we're the ones who are going to end up in cages? Barkin nodded. I wish there were another way. Finn put his hands up in surrender. Abigail looked at him, sighed, and did the same. I just have one question before you trap us here, said Finn. Can any of you guys fly? Fly? No, of course we can't fly, said Barkin. Yeah, you know, I didn't think so, said Finn. But you know who can? Here you go, Foggy. Go! Finn turned and tossed the amulet to Foggy, who caught it and immediately activated his boosters. He flew up above the trees, far out of reach of the aliens, and soon he was out of sight. The guards walked Finn and Abigail into a cage and locked the door behind them. Ah, young ones, you're just wasting time, said Barkin. Unless you think he's just going to leave you all here in a cage, he has to come back here. And when he does, we'll take the final piece from him instead. We'll see about that, said Finn. You don't know Foggy, said Elias. We're not the ones who should be worried, said Abigail. You guys are like the 15th scariest aliens we've ever faced, said Vale. <laughs> said Robocloco. the truth was, Foggy didn't know what to do. He didn't think those aliens would hurt his friends, but he knew they would be waiting for him to return, and he needed to go back quickly. And what was he going to do then? Mostly, he'd been good at flying fast and thinking clearly, but right now, all he could do was fly fast. He flew even faster than he imagined that he could, and as he came up over the hills where he and the explorers had run from the stampede, he realized he'd circumnavigated the entire planet. He'd flown around the world in 80 minutes. A new record for him. There in front of him was the enormous horde of alien animals. Foggy landed on a hill across the way and lay in the tall grass, observing the creatures. A few of them were still pounding on the door on the side of the hill, but most of them had just gone back to being animals, as strange as that may have looked. There were the enormous beetle-like creatures that had chased Vale who were chomping on the branches of a tree, an alien that looked just like an elephant but with three trunks and one enormous tusk in its forehead, lay in the shade of one of the hills. One type of mysterious bird had wings all over its body, and it flitted about, landing on the elephant and then pecking at something in the hair of a short creature whose snout was as long as its body. Foggy found it hard to take it all in, but one thing he knew for sure, if he tried to approach the aliens now, they would just attack him again. What are you doing here? Foggy turned, and there was the creature that had spoken to Finn, the alien that was so thin he was easy to miss among the long blades of grass. Are you here to help Juku put us all back in his zoo? 
Pardon me, sir. I don't mean to be rude, but Tuku had us believe that it was only animals in his zoo. And yet, here you are, talking to me. I don't know of any animals who can talk like you. I've been here for ages, metal man, said the creature. You pick up a thing or two. She told Foggy how she'd been happy in Tuku's zoo, though occasionally she wished for her own freedom to roam. Like many of the aliens Tuku saved, she was happy to live in a comfortable place safe from danger, but also she longed for the freedom and habitats of her own planet. So is that why you broke out? said Foggy. No. We didn't break out. Those furball aliens who came here before you did, they're the ones who let us out. I think they wanted to create chaos, to distract Tuku. But honestly, something changed for us a few months ago. All of the animals here have grown increasingly hostile, making life difficult for Tuku. Even me, who never even had cages until some of the larger, angrier animals started going after Tuku. So after those furballs sprung us, it all just kind of came pouring out. Foggy nodded. He couldn't understand how the animals felt. He'd never been wild in his life. But he knew what had happened. Just like the red crystal had turned the epismorphs greedy, and the blue crystal had turned Caspian mischievous. Now the yellow crystal was turning the animals angry. They needed to get it off the planet as soon as possible, before the animals turned on each other, too. I need to talk to those animals down there. Will you help me? asked Foggy. Sure, said the stick alien. But you can't go down there looking like that. They will definitely eat you. The explorers sat in their cages, trying to whisper to each other, without the furry aliens and the guards hearing them. Okay, said Abigail, I think I know how we can get out of here. Bale and Elias, you take the rocks from inside the cage, throw them as far as you- Enough talking, said one of the furballs. Unless you're talking about how to get your robot friend back here, we don't need to hear it. You know, if you hadn't taken my bow, said Vale, I'd have some things to say to you. The explorers slumped down in their cages. It had been hours since Foggy had left them. Come on, guys, said Finn. Have a little faith. This is Foggy we're talking about. Finn kept thinking about when all of this had started, and he'd nearly been sucked out of the space station. How Foggy had flown in, seemingly out of nowhere, and saved his life. He wasn't going to start doubting his robot now. What's that noise? said Barkin. He looked in the direction of the sound, but couldn't see anything except a dusty haze. But then the sound grew louder and louder, and the explorers knew what it was, even if the other aliens didn't. I think it's your friends, said Elias. You know, the ones you set free. The stampede of animals was coming hard and fast back to the zoo. It was led again by the beetles, some sort of giant cat with whiskers like broomsticks, and a creature like no one had seen before. It was mud-splattered and covered in grass, and its eyes shone out of the horde. Its cries were leading the horde, and as the explorers watched, they thought they'd never seen something so maddened, wild, and fast. They were glad, for once, to be inside the cages. Two of the furballs ran to their cages, knocking on the bars. Come on, come on, come on, let us in! The head furball, the one with the final jewel, hid behind the two guards, who braced for impact with the animals. The stampede rushed toward the guards. The elephant with three trunks used two of them to scoop up a yeti and throw it high in the air. It landed on a giant, winged, lizard-looking creature 
barking grabbed onto the only yeti that was left as more of the animals descended upon them. The yeti continually repelled the swooping animals until the wild creature at the front zoomed toward it. The yeti got ready to catch the creature, but it suddenly rose above his head and dove straight down toward the furball with a howl. The creature snatched up Barkin and flew high in the air. It deposited the furball in a nearby tree and caught the yellow jewel as it fell from the alien's hands. The wild creature stared for a moment at the yellow jewel and then took out another object, beaming bright purple light, and slid the yellow jewel into place. The amulet was complete once again and shone a bright white. Foggy? said Finn as the muddy, splattered creature descended. The creature yipped and howled and patted the various animals who had all, now that the amulet was back together, calmed down. Once again, the animals began grazing and lazily roaming around the zoo. Even the yeti guards, no longer feeling the need to defend anyone, began playing with the animals. The filthy creature who had saved the day made its way to the cage. I mean, it's me said Foggy. How do you like my new look? I had to convince these animals to trust me, so I tried to look a little more like them. And then I learned how to talk like them, and one of them taught me how to fly in this really cool way, and it was so fun. Foggy, said Finn, if I wasn't in a cage right now, I would definitely hug you. Oh yes, of course, of course. Where are my manners? Foggy turned and let out a... The elephant with three trunks bounded over, wrapped each trunk around three bars, and pulled with all its might. The explorers were free. You know, I could have told you where the keys were, said Tuku, eyeing the damage to his cage. You know, Foggy, you look like you'd make an awesome pet, said Abigail, hugging the muddy robot. Tuku flew off among the animals who greeted him warmly as he spoke to each one. Two of the furballs, who had crawled under the explorer's cages when the stampede arrived, shimmied out and sat down defeated. Robocloco flew over and picked up Barkin and placed them with the other two. Surprisingly, the alien was in tears. They took my daughter, said the furball. My little nutkin. And now you have the amulet and our ship has crashed somewhere I don't even know where. I failed. I've... I failed everyone. Abigail approached Barkin and the others. Look, there is no reason for us to go back there and claim victory, and for you to stay here. If the king captured your daughter and Finn's little sister, then we shouldn't be the enemies here. We should go back and face the king together. Really? said Barkin. You'd do that for us after we threw you in cages? Well, I'd do anything to get my sister back, said Finn. I get it. But how are we going to get back there together? I saw your ship. It's tiny. You can't fit us and our guards on that little pod. Actually, how about you just come with us, said Elias. Leave the other two here with the guards. But then how will they get back? I have a feeling a ship should be arriving to help you with that any second now, said Elias. And just as he said it, the Shakespeare pod began descending to the planet. The kids could see Cymbeline, Romy, and Beth piloting the ship. Hamlet was in there too, but in back, frozen in a block of ice. <laughs> Looks like my buddy Caspian had some fun with those guys, said Vale. 
I think they'd be happy to give your guards a lift home. Okay, I am here with my son and editor, Griffin Messenger. Say hi to everybody, Griff. Hi, hi. Hello. So for once, this part of the show has a bit of suspense to it. Do you know why? No. Because at any moment, you're going to lose a tooth. So I want to see if we can make it through this before that tooth comes flying out of your mouth. Yeah. (laughs) You think we're going to be able to do it? Maybe. (laughs) All right. What did you think of that episode? Pretty good. Pretty good? Great. (laughs) Thank you. I knew you liked that one. All right. So tell me, uh, do you have any questions about it? I kind of like how Foggy disguised himself as like an animal to blend in. Yeah, right. Did that remind you of any books that we've read recently? The Wild Robot. Yeah, that's right. The Wild Robot by Peter Brown. Maybe if you were, maybe listeners remember that we talked about that in previous episodes. Uh, I really liked that book a lot. Did you like that book? Yep. And so I borrowed the idea because in The Wild Robot, uh, what's the robot's name? Roz. And what does Roz do? Covers herself in mud and grass and leaves. And, And why does she do that? To blend in with the wilderness. We're right, to blend in with the wilderness. That's right. Oh, man, that tooth is going to come out any second. <laughs> All right. Like I said last episode, the zoo story was inspired by our listeners, but then this kind of how we wrap the story up was really inspired by The Wild Robot by Peter Brown. I recommend that book. Yep. All right. Any other questions or thoughts? Do you think, do you know what's going to happen next? That the Shakespeare's are going to come down and be like, and we're taking that amulet piece so we can go back and you guys stay here. <laughs> and then the guards are like, just put you in a cage, put you in a cage, put you in a cage, and fly this ship back up to, back to King Huxley's. Yeah, they're going to strand the Shakespeare kids there? Yeah. That's okay. They can, the Shakespeare space station can send another pod, right? But we do have three storylines now that we're going to have to connect pretty soon because we're getting towards the end of the season. We have Finn and his friends getting the amulet, Paige and Nutkin in the rocket sled, and Voltronics adrift, batteryless, in in the singing galaxy. We're going to have to connect all three of those. So we'll see what happens, right? Yep. All right. We got our work cut out for us. I'm going to need your help as my editor. Okay. All right. Great. All right. So up next, we have our art. You ready for art? Art time. Art time. Art time. All right, so first up, we have Amadeo, who is nine years old, who did a really cool drawing of the Marlowe. You see that? Yeah. Really cool. I like the blue fire coming from the Explorer pods. Whoa. And then we got a drawing from Asher from Madison, who's eight years old, and he drew, I think it's, the, uh, I think it's Robo Cloco there, there's the Marlowe, and then there's Bebop eating a piece of art, a giant Bebop. <laughs> and he's, I think he's eating the drawing that we're seeing. So it's Bebop eating the drawing that he's in, eating the drawing that he's in, eating the drawing that he's in, eating the drawing that he's in. <laughs> yeah, so that kind of goes on forever. Yeah. Then we have Atlee, who is six, from Statesboro, Georgia, who did a really cool kind of, uh, I don't know what you would call it, a collage or sculpture sort of for Bebop. It's really colorful and really cool. Thank you, Atlee. And then we got a really cool drawing from James, who's five from Watertown, Massachusetts, of Foggy kind of standing on top of a mountain. That's really cool. Yeah. And then Gabe, who is six from Washington, D.C., drew Saffrite with the yellow eye, kind of menacing looking or a little creepy. I like it. What do you think? (laughs) 
And then and then Isaac, who is five, he drew us a fluffy butt. I don't know how I feel about that. And then Otto, who is five from Maplewood, New Jersey, he drew us Bebop, and he drew us Dr. Percolator, and he drew us a fixing robot. It's really cool. Thank you so much, Otto. And then Sam, who is seven from Davenport, he drew a really cool drawing of Saffrite. It says Supernova inside Saffrite, and then Saffrite's saying, ah! Because the supernova is blowing up inside of Saffrite, I think. And then we got a really cool drawing from Jacob, who is 11 years old. And he drew this really awesome comic, a Finn Caspian comic. And it shows me saying, Bebop, you haven't even looked at it. And Bebop saying, oh, sorry, Jonathan. Eating the art. He's starting to eat this art that Jacob drew. And Jacob's actually going to do a kind of regular comic for us. And we're going to put up a little section of our website where he's going to put up some of his comics. Pretty cool, huh? <laughs> yeah. All right. So I think that's it for art for today. What's up next, Griff? Yuki! All right, so here we go with jokes. Okay, up first, we have six-year-old Ross from Ontario, Canada. This is Ross from Ontario, Canada, and this is my joke. What did the broccoli say to the ice cube? You're looking pretty cool, my friend. (laughs) That's great. Thank you so much, Ross. And now we have the sibling team of Parrish and Scout from New Orleans. So up first is six-year-old Scout. Hi, my name is Scout and I'm from New Orleans. This is my joke. What does the evil sheep only want? To rule the world. (laughs) (laughs) The evil sheep. To rule the world. (laughs) I like that one, Scout. All right. And now here comes Parrish. Hello. My name is Parrish Kearney, and today I'm going to share with you three jokes. I'm from New Orleans, Louisiana. What is a star's favorite candy? Starbursts! Where do stars go to get coffee? Starbucks! Why was the cow in the rocket ship? To go to the moon! (laughs) Bye! (laughs) All right, all of those, all of those were great jokes. Okay, that's it for jokes. I think that's it for today. Griff, anything else you want to talk about? Nope. All right. Well, thanks so much for doing this with me. Uh, we're all done with the recording. What are we reading now? A Wrinkle in Time. Yeah, a Wrinkle in Time. We're going to be reading that one for a while. It's kind of a long one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks so much, Griff. You want to say bye to everybody? Bye, Griff. Bye. <laughs> that was fast. All right. And he still has his tooth, ladies and gentlemen. It's a miracle. All right. Good night, everybody. Thank you. Okay, thanks as always for coming back and having some more fun with us this week. And thanks to everyone who has sent in their art, their ideas, their jokes, their sounds, their pranks. No thanks for the pranks. And shout outs this week to Jacob, Atley, Isaac, Sam, Amadeo, James, Gabe, Asher, and Otto for the art, and Ross, Scout, and Parrish for the jokes. The Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian is a Gen Z Kids production. This is a brand new company that we've just created with the guys who make the show The Unexplainable Disappearance of Mars Patel. We've formed sort of a kids podcasting Voltron, if you will. I'll have more to say about that soon, but you can check us out at gen-z.fm. Now, 
The Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian is a Gen Z Kids production. Written and produced by Jonathan Messenger, edited and guided by Griffin Messenger, with special thanks to Maria Villanueva. The theme music you hear at the beginning and end of every show is by Mark Greenberg, recently voted the nicest human in the Milky Way. For more information about the music, the art, everything about this show, check out the show notes. See all the art mentioned this week at fincaspian.com and on our Instagram at fincaspian. And thanks, as always, for sending in everything you sent in, except for the pranks. All right, we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Come on, woodchucks are cute. Hi, it's me, Jess. Are you on our newsletter list? No? Then how else will you learn all the insider news on the new season of Six Minutes? If you don't get the newsletter, you must have missed the live show that the Big Fid had up in Boston recently. Don't miss another thing. Sign up for a GZM newsletter now. Go to gzmshows.com slash newsletter to sign up now. That's gzmshows.com slash newsletter. Hi, my name's Bennett Grace. And my name's Pierce. And we are a GZM family. Our favorite show is Six Minutes Out of Time. I love all the plot twists. It's amazing, so go watch it. Bye. Do you wish this was you? Go to gzmshows.com slash shoutout to learn more. And you may hear your GZM family at the end of a podcast. Let your voice be heard at gzmshows.com slash shoutout.